0: hey guys and i want to welcome you to the straight talk with hope podcast we are in the end of may you guys i cannot believe once again how fast time is flying by and we're getting ready for summertime i don't know about you guys but when i think of summertime i think of so many great uh, memories growing up like the beach uh, those are my favorite times where My dad would pull away from things in ministry and life and the busyness of life, and we would go on like these two-week vacations, and it was one of my favorite times, favorite memories um, growing up as a kid where we would take like a week and go down to the beach, like Destin, Florida, Panama City Beach, Florida, Um, and then we would go a week to you know, Disney World. And so those were some of my favorite times because you get all the adventure locked up in relaxation within two weeks. And, um, you know, that's something that I've tried to carry on as my kids have gotten older, having three boys. We don't always make it to the beach or Disney World every summer <laughs> like I did growing up. Um, but those are still things that we try to accommodate within our children, Is having these moments and these memories um, that we create with our kids during summertime, like summer vacay or lemonade stands or, you know, the list goes on and on, tents, uh, sleepovers those kinds of things. And so we kind of get to relive our childhood, some through us having kids. Um, Or maybe we get to relive through our kids based on things we wish we did or had as kids. And we're inviting those opportunities into our kids' lives. But so many fun things are approaching in summertime. I know this is my kids' last week of school. Um, They have two days next week, but they have already talked me out about skipping the last two days because there's really no work to be done Um, and let's be honest the teachers really don't want our kids there the last two days you know I mean after so many texts and emails and they're like encouraging you don't have to be there but if you want to be there you can or they're sending them home (laughs) a few days earlier than what they should even like they're just ready for their break of summer as well so we are um getting ready to do all those kinds of fun things for summer, make summer print plan preparations, going through the empty of the school bags. I'm like, how many more textbooks and crafts and, you know, whatever can you send home? I'm chunking it all. I'm done with all the school. So, um, yeah. So we're kind of in that phase where we are, um, still all packed up in our house and, Um, believing that it is going to sell very soon which I totally know that it is and then um, locking up what that needs to look like with school districts and rentals and all kinds of stuff before August comes back around so that is kind of what's happening right now in my neck of the woods and um, you know I recently turned 40 and yeah that's a big big deal Um, I think people make it a bigger deal than really what it appears to be or needs to be like for the last five to seven years, I've really been excited and wanting to embrace what is 40 going to look like. But honestly, like 40 looks like any other year, you know, like 37 and 38 and 25. And it's another year. It's another year to give thanks for breath in your lungs, to be alive and have an opportunity to grow, learn from mistakes um, that you've made along the way of the journey of life, whatever age you are, but to continue to move forward to what God is asking you to do in your life. And I know a lot of people out there that dread turning 30, dread turning 40 or 50 or 60 or 80 or whatever it is. Um, I was thinking about this other day, even how, because <laughs> my kids, you know, they're constantly reminding me like this is the 20th century and you're old, you're 40 and all these amazing things that they say to me. And, you know, um, I was thinking about that, man, I'm already 40 and another 40 years on the earth, I will be 80, which most of my grandparents that are still living are actually very close to turning 90. And so, Um, We've got some good genes in our family that I'm thankful for. But, you know, it's just really, I think, put things in perspective for me about what do I really want the next 40 years of my life to look like? And what mistakes do I not want to repeat in the next 40 years of my life based on where I've come in the last 40 years? (laughs) There's so many Um, Right, And so there's a lot of lessons to be learned along the journey of life and how we think life is going to turn out or what we want it to be like and look like. And a lot of times it's nothing what we expected or planned or thought or whatever it may be. But um, 40, it is a great number. And, you know, a lot of times when you study, the number 40 whether it's on a google search or in a bible reference it doesn't really have a lot of great things going to be honest like it talks about a lot of tests and trials and tribulations and difficult seasons and hard things and i've even met people who have turned 40 and they were like I dreaded it because of all those things I had fear and anxiety from it like what's about to go down in my life or whatever it may be and I have really kind of flipped it on its head in the sense of not just being excited about being 40 and in this new season but To expect God to continue to show His grace and His goodness and His faithfulness in my life, regardless of tests and trials and seasons and what Google says or what, even um, you know, different things are symbolic to the number 40, because also. As the number 40 does symbolize tests and trials and difficulties, I think it's fair to say that regardless of whatever age you are, you're going to have these moments. You're going to have seasons of tests and trials and difficult times. But at the same time, 40 is symbolic to when God completes things when God brings things out of a dead season or a wilderness time, and He brings things into full circle of completion for what is next. And so I really want to focus that episode on today and share some really straightforward, straight talk, um, revelant things with all of our listeners today about some lessons I've learned, some mistakes I've made, some things that. You know, I can improve on and I'm looking to improve on as I move forward within myself, within my marriage, within my parenting, um, so many things, right? And so um, I've gotten this question a lot, you know, since I've turned 40. Like, what are some things that you're looking forward to, or what are some things that you've learned along the way in this area and that area? And several people have asked me that. Um, Most of the time, it's, you know, people that I'm doing life with or it's people that I'm kind of, you know, have been a mentor in some shape, form or fashion um, or whatever that may be. And so, you know, I think it's important for all of us to ask those questions, especially people who are older Um, and more seasoned in things and have gone through other things that maybe we haven't gone through in our life. We all need those people um, to glean from and we need those people to be honest with us about what that looks like or how to navigate that. Um, I'm all about people, you know, not sugarcoating anything, even though it may step on my toes or rub me the wrong way or you know, the truth hurts or whatever it may be like, because it's going to make me better. And so as we focus on these different topics and things, as we get into today's episode, it is lessons learned over the course of me being alive for 40 years, but it's also um, made me better. And really, that's what I'm focusing on. As God is doing this work with inside of me and completion of where I'm going is to keep moving forward in every area of my life no matter what no matter what difficulties tests and trials or whatever um, past or what's to come or whatever to keep moving forward and to not quit but to make myself better make myself better and be the best version of myself that I know how to be with God's help and God's guidance along the way. So I am super excited to share all these things. If y'all could just see my uh, table right now with my Yeti cup of ice water, which I totally dig every day. Um, It's like the community cup in my house, but also my Skinny Brew uh, coffee that I'm drinking, and all the sticky notes that I'm going to share with you on today's episode. And so, stay tuned. I look forward to you diving in deep with me here in a few minutes. All right, guys, welcome back to the Straight Talk with Hope podcast, and we are kicking it off with the final episode for the month of May here in 2021. And I was just telling you guys about um, how I just turned 40 and there's some things that I want to communicate. I've been asked the question frequently since I've turned 40. What are some lessons that you have learned? And so we're going to talk about a little bit some of those things, some of the questions, uh, the categories and topics with some of that. I hope you're ready to grab a pen and paper or maybe your phone, and um, if you're a tech person, then add your notes into this. I've got some really um, impactful things that have helped me along the journey of 40 years of living um, when it comes to marriage and kids and parenting and within myself, um, that you are going to probably at least have one nugget of takeaway through those things. And so I'm super excited to share with you Um, hashtag better at 40 and hashtag highs and lows. And so let me just say that we all go through these seasons. We go through good times, terrible times, hard times, rough times, um, difficult seasons of life. And there are highs in life, but there's also lows in life. But either way, whether it's a high season or a low season, um, God is still with us every single day step of the way. And I know sometimes we think that he isn't. And sometimes we feel like where the heck is he? But he is still right by our side either way along the journey of the life that presents highs in our life, but presents lows in our life. And so just like you guys, I am totally human and (laughs) I have made some mistakes along the journey of 40 years. I mean, right, we've all had those mistakes and low moments, but we've also um, had opportunity to not only learn from the lessons that we have seen or brought upon ourselves or whatever it may be, but we've had opportunities to continue not to quit and to move forward and do what God is asking us to do. And so let's start with the subject of kids. So, you know, if you have kids out there, maybe they're grown and you're an empty nester or maybe you're approaching um, high school with a child or middle school or elementary or or you're just about to put your kid in kindergarten, or you're thinking about having a kid, or (laughs) you're um, newly pregnant and you're like, what is about to happen? And your whole life is about to change if you're about to have a baby. And it's good and it's a great thing, but it really is going to change a lot of different aspects of your life. You have no idea. But, um, What I'm going to share with you, so I have three boys and I am completely done. Um, We decided to be done after our third child, who is Jagger Woods, and he is six now. And so we kind of spaced our kids out, not trying to do that on its own. It just kind of happened that way because I believe God has a plan for everything, Um, and so we have three sons. Our oldest is 11, going to be 12 this year. He's approaching middle school. Our middle is going to be in, uh, let's see, fourth grade. I was about to say fifth, but fourth grade. And then, um, our youngest Jagger is going to be approaching first grade. So our older two are two years apart and our middle and our youngest is three to three and a half years apart. So, um, anyway, kids, Um, some lessons that I have learned is this, is let them be little. You know, for the time frame that they are little from, you know, baby stage through, I would even say, you know, in middle, till they approach, you know, middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, remind yourself that they are kids. Remind yourself that they need to be little. Um, I was actually just telling this to my older two, uh, because they were kind of like getting irritated with their younger brother because he was seeming to act real childish and annoying. And I'm like, first of all, you older two act childish and annoying quite often <laughs> still, but they were irritated with some things that their youngest brother was doing and And they were like, how could, I don't even remember what it was. We were in the car and they were like, how can he, you know, do that or dress like that? I think it was something he was wearing. I don't know. And I was like, dude, like, we need to let him be little. Like, you're going to want your childhood. Like, it's only for this certain portion of your life that you've been given to be a child and to have fun Um, And I was like, trust me, when you start to get in your teenage years and especially adulthood, you're going to wish like, man, being a child is so much funner than being an adult. (laughs) Um, Because we don't realize until we are adults and even we're parents, like it was so awesome to be little. It was so awesome to not really have these huge cares and to just be free spirited as a kid. And so one thing, a lesson that I have learned is even though all of my boys, like they are very well beyond their years. And I'm not just saying that, like literally people that have a conversation with them are around them for any point in time. They see that they conduct themselves and are well advanced from their speech down to their thinking, um, down to how they handle life and even what they're aware of already knowing at such a young age they're aware of things that probably most high schoolers know. Um, And so that's not for everybody, but, you know, we have to remind ourselves and I have to remind myself along this journey of life is let my kids be little. Um, Another thing that I have learned with my kids is this, um, and this is a lesson that I learned was just be present. Be present with your kids, because a lot of times we can um, be in the same room with our kids, but we're scrolling on social media or we're on our phones or we're texting or we're at home and we're not supposed to be working, but yet we're responding to, um, you know, office things or job things or tasks or duties or texts from things that have to get done or have to get handled. But can I just say this? Does it really have to get handled now? like in the moment? Or can it actually be pushed to the next day? Um, That's just a thought I'm throwing out there. But be present with your family. It's rare that we have sit down dinners at the family table with our children and we ask about their days or we're trying to ask about their days, but it's through a carpool line just to do a casually talk and then move on to the next thing. And I'm guilty of this. Like, this is a lesson that I have learned Um, the hard way is be present with your kids. Create as many opportunities as you can, whether it's a one-on-one night out with your child or just a simple walk through the neighborhood or, you know, it's sitting at a family table with no phones or whatever it may be and just be present Your kids want to know that you're really listening to them, um, making eye contact with them, not hurrying them through a conversation. Because if we're not listening to our kids and they pick up on that, that we're really not listening and understanding what they're faced with or going through or who they are, whatever it may be, they're going to find someone else they can confide in. They're going to find somebody else that will actually be present and will listen to them. Um, and so as a parent, we need to be some of the loudest voices in our kids' lives. And it's not just through discipline and correction, but it's also in these moments of just listening to them. It's hearing them out um, and to be present. You know, they want to see your face more than you want to be on your phone. Um, so that that's something that I've learned. Another thing that I have learned with kids is let them fail. Y'all, I'm reading this amazing book right now um, that I came to find out through someone else's podcast, and it's by Corey Robertson, and it talks about her raising kids, and it's called Teaching Your Kids to Be Strong and Kind. And sure, there's lots of things that we want to instill in our kids. We want them to be this or that way or don't do this or do this. And the list goes on and on. But she talks about narrowing it down to just a handful of qualities that you want to instill inside of your kids um, before they leave your house so they can carry it on through adulthood. And one of the things in there, and I've heard this, you know, even outside the book, is let your kids fail. Moms, I know that you love your kids. I know, dads, that you want to be there for your kids. We all want our kids to be a success. We all want our kids to not shame us or embarrass us, you know, by mistakes they make um, in middle school or high school or even as adults. Like, we want them to win. We want people to view them good. But you're going to have to let your kids fail. And if you're always... Um, trying to shelter your kids, if you're always trying to um, have these moments where you're doing everything for your kids at the snap of their fingers and you're trying to figure out their problems for them in, in all these different seasons, then you're not allowing them to wake up to the real world. In fact, when they get in the real world, they're going to have these situations where they're like, oh, no one told me how to deal with this kind of personality on the job. Or no one told me how to, you know, steward my money this way or, you know, and there's so many things. And we're going to have to let our kids be willing to make decisions that even if we know it's a decision that they shouldn't make or do, let them make the decision and then watch them fail as terrible as that sounds, but help them recover from their mistakes and move forward so they don't make that same mistake again but we have to allow our kids to be willing to fail rather than you know sugarcoat their life or whatever. Now don't misunderstand me. That doesn't mean you don't protect your kids. For sure you're going to protect your friends from crazy, your kids from crazy people and crazy friends or you know things on the internet or whatever it may be. But you cannot be naive at the same time and try to do everything out for your own and deciding every decision for your kids because you don't want them to embarrass you. You don't want them to make a mistake because guess what? Your kids are going to embarrass you. Your kids are going to be stupid at times. Your kids are going to make mistakes. They're going to bring shame upon you at some point in your life. But (laughs) we have to be willing to instill these character traits within our kids, and we're going to have to allow them to make mistakes and learn from it. Um, This is something that I'm really focusing on now, especially as my sons are getting older, um, is this is character it's instilling these character traits within them. It's not just, hey, don't do that, or hey, that's a sin, or hey, that's bad, and that's wrong, and you know not to act like that, or talk like that, or do that, because they hear this all the time. They hear the rules all the time, like, don't do that, or act like this, or be like this all the time from coaches, from teachers, from other mentors in their life, or whatever it may be, but we need to start teaching them character traits, like, who you are as a person, who God is calling you to be. It's not about just the accomplishments or what you wanna be when you grow up or what you wanna do or how much money you wanna make or where you wanna live. It's about who you are as an individual, who we are as individuals and who we're teaching our children to be Um, at a young age is going to carry over in their adulthood. It's going to be how they communicate to their spouses. It's going to be how they lead their families when it comes to parenting, how they respond to a boss in the midst of a difficult situation, you know, how they respond to someone that has betrayed them or whatever it may be. And we're going to have to instill character traits in them because the world needs more character. <laughs> like if they need an accountability, we need to be accountable, you know, for our character and, and navigate through these seasons because character is far more important than what we are it's who we are. And that's what God wants us to be, is reflecting the character of him within ourselves, but also teaching others to do that. Another lesson that I have learned when it comes to kids is this, is don't provoke them. We know this, that that is in scripture, even where, um, you know, as parents we're trying to get the last say so, and that can be true in a sense. But we keep trying to prove our point or prove our point or prove our point. And my sons are very verbal. They're not the kind of sons that just sit back and just smile, you know, and say, yes, ma'am, every single time, every single situation. That would be awesome, but they don't. They're going to prove their point. They're going to, you know, speak up for what they believe is right or defend themselves when I think they're doing wrong and let me know, hey, this is why I did this and said this. You're never going to have to wonder what's on my boy's is mine because they're going to tell you what's on their mind. And sometimes I can get a little crazy at times, but you know, I'm like this as well. And so I've learned even that, you know, when I say something and I'm correcting them at the same time, like just say it once, (laughs) like don't keep you know, pushing it over, pushing over on them because my boys have let me know several times like, okay, I get it. You don't have to tell me again, even though I may not see it in their behavior immediately that it is changing. Like the Bible says, do not provoke your children because it will lead to anger. And so, you know, I've been there where I've provoked them, and it's led to anger. It's led to unkind conversations or whatever it may be. And so these are things that I am learning, you know, in parenting and in raising kids um, through different seasons of life the last few years is, you know, we can provoke our kids even by the look on our faces. (laughs) We can provoke them all kinds of ways. And sure, your kids may provoke you. But in leading um, our home, and leading our kids as parents, as adults, God has entrusted us to make sure that we are following the Bible the best that we know how to do when it comes to finances, when it comes to kids, when it comes to marriage. And so I think there's a lot of truth um, in that why he tells us, like, (laughs) don't keep trying to prove your point and provoke your kids. Um, Another lesson that I have learned is this, is uh, praise them and celebrate them. Uh, this is something that I had an opportunity actually to go and visit um, actually a mighty woman of God. And she was someone that I value. She's someone I still value and look up to and even occasionally text here and there. And she's gone through a lot of things in her life personally as a minister um, in her marriage, but even as well as uh, raising children. And one thing she said to me was, "Hope." Your kids know when they've made a mistake. They know when they have missed it. They don't even need anyone to tell them or point it out to them like they know. I mean, that's even how adults are. And so it sucks when people remind us of our mistakes and failures and point it out, you know, to us or throw it back in our face or whatever it may be. But she was like, your kids uh, need more praise. They need you to recognize when they're doing right because it's easy for us to recognize when people fail us or make a mistake right we we talk about it we text about it we're in conversations about it and all of that is wrong Um, but our kids need us to praise them they need us to notice when they're getting it right in school when they're getting it right in a situation or how they responded even if it's something small like praising them for being kind to their sibling or whatever it may be and then Celebrate their wins, celebrate their accomplishments, even if it's an accomplishment that they don't see within themselves, like they don't think it's a big deal. You still find reason to celebrate them. Um, This was something that was huge kind of recently is our oldest, he is approaching middle school. And (laughs) this was the first year uh, that I actually took the reins off and I let Maximus be Maximus. Like when it came to his studying, his work in school, things he needed to learn, disciplines, all these kinds of things, I did not handhold him to speak. Like I wasn't involved really much in his school very much. I mean, obviously you couldn't really because of COVID. COVID, but um, I didn't like go through all his folders. I didn't put a spreadsheet of when he had tests and what class it was. And, you know, did I go over vocabulary words in this project and this book report? And we got to make sure it's done. And if it's not done, go back and erase it and do the project for him. Like none of that, right? Like I know you moms have been out there and maybe you're still doing this for your child and they're in seventh and eighth grade. I have no clue. Either way, it's not to bring judgment on you, but. For me, this is what the Lord instructed me to do like he's getting at that age where it's not just about character but it's also about discipline it's also about him creating disciplines within himself, and he's gonna make mistakes and he's gonna fail along the way because you're not hand holding him and I let him do him the whole entire year the I just let him um figure it out. You know, when it came to a project or test, I didn't call out spelling words or vocabulary words. If he had a big test coming up or a state test, I'm like, dude, you're on your own. Good luck. I'm just going off your word basically. And I totally left it at that. And that was hard for me because I wanted to get really involved and like, okay, you say you know it, but do you really know it? Let's go over it. And it was just like, no, like, He's going to have to figure out his own disciplines and study methods. Um, and if he screws up on a test, he screws up and doesn't get the best test scores. And so through the end of the year, when it came to Awards Day, like you could tell he was a little bit disappointed in himself because he didn't have honor roll every single semester. He came close a couple semesters of having it, but he still did not you know, accomplish that. And, you know, as they were passing out awards, you could see it was kind of stinging on him that he could have tried harder or given his best a little bit more, or it was possible to have honor roll or whatever it may be. But, you know, one thing that I saw my husband do was um, he still celebrated him. He wasn't coming down hard on him and saying, you're such a mess up or a failure or how could you go this year and, you know not do whatever you needed to do and what happened and and all these kinds of things. But what he did was he created his own award system for Maximus. And when he came home from school, he celebrated his wins. He celebrated that even though he didn't get honor roll every semester that he celebrated, that he showed um, generosity within his brothers this year, like he had never seen before with them. He celebrated his shoe game. He celebrated, you know, his best hair, you know, all these things naturally, but also these things of character. And that spoke volumes to him. That made him light up that where he could have felt like a failure that day, we chose the opposite of celebrating him. And I really can't take any credit for this personally because that was all beefcake. That was all my husband that did that. But celebrate the wins in your children. Let them know that, regardless of what has happened or gone on, that you still believe in them. You still see that they were willing to give their best with what was put out in front of them. Um, The next thing I want to kind of switch over gears is, um, is this, we'll jump into marriage and I've got a lot of different notes on this as well, but marriage. So yeah, we have been married, me and my beefcake have been married for 18 years this September. And um, we also worked together for 19 years. So we worked together even uh, before we were married, a year before while we were engaged. And, and so um, we worked together a long time together and not everybody can work with their spouse. Not everybody can um you know, have a decent marriage while working at the same place and taking instruction and correction on top of, you know, coming home and then (laughs) your spouses as well and you no longer work together or whatever it may be. And so, um, like I said, these things that I'm sharing with you um, today on this podcast is better at 40. It's lessons that I've learned. It's lessons that I'm not going to repeat along the way, but where I'm moving forward to become the next 40 years better. And so there's highs and lows through all of these uh, seasons and different topics. And so, um, you know, one thing that has stood out to me, a lesson that I have learned is everybody wants to be right in marriage. Like the husband wants to be right and the wife wants to be right. Nobody likes to be wrong in life, no matter who you are. And nobody likes to admit that they're wrong. Um, For some of us, it's easier than others. And um, for me, this is something that I have dealt with. Like, I just don't like to be proven wrong. And I don't always like to admit that I am wrong. And so this is an area that I am growing in. And one day the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he was like, Hope, Everybody has things in their life that they need to correct. They need to course correct and even make adjustments. And some will and some won't. But he was like, if you're not willing to admit your failures or mistakes, or you're not willing to admit where you went wrong, then you can't correct. You can't course correct. And so that really stood out to me when he said that. He said that to me about probably two, three years ago. And, um, you know, I was like, Lord, man, that sings, but that is the truth. If we're going to make correction, even in our parenting or in our relationship with our spouse, we have to be willing to admit where we screwed up or messed up or made a mistake so that we can move forward. You have to be honest with yourself. Um, another thing that I have learned is, your marriage should be priority. So I'm speaking to all the married folks. If you're married out there, your marriage should be your priority over your kids. Yes, even your uh, infant. Yes, even the college age kid who desperately needs you to send them money to help bail them out or whatever it may be. Like your kids are priority and you love them, but we should not be in love with our kids more then we are in love with our spouse. And I know that's deep, but it is so true. Like it's God, the Father, Holy Spirit you're in love with, and then it's your spouse you're in love with, and then it's your kids. And this is a lesson that I learned. Like my husband, we kind of joke about it, but he's like, you like adore your sons. Like (laughs) you love your kids and you will do anything and everything for them and it is the truth and he is right like i just adore them like i <laughs> they get on my nerves and they test me and i've said a lot of ugly things to them <laughs> but at the same time like i just love them and love being with them and you know i had to recently in the last Two years, make an adjustment with making sure that yes, my kids are are a priority and they need us through different seasons and stages of life, but they should never overtake my marriage. They should never even be equal to what my relationship with my spouse needs to be. Um, and I'm going to get on this a little bit later, but you know, um, we all have these things and these times in our lives where. Our kids need us and they're going to need us. But at the same time, like, you know, your kids are going to leave your house. (laughs) You've heard that said. Your kids are going to leave your house. And a lot of marriages fail because they don't know how to be in love with their spouse anymore or, you know, don't know how to communicate even with their spouse because all their time has been eaten up on raising these kids and making their kids a priority over their spouse. And that's wrong. And God wants us to have strong marriages and better marriages, and He wants us to make our spouse a priority in our lives and meet the needs that they have, whatever that may be, and make sure that we're growing in our marriage as well as we can grow in our parenting. Um, One of the lessons that I have kind of learned along the way I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, segment on marriage that. You know, me and my husband work together, and so we were really driven in um, ministry and life. We always had projects and things we were doing or needing to accomplish or goal or growth or whatever. And we're both like that. We're both driven. You don't have to tell us a second time whatever's been assigned to us. We're going to get it done, and then then some. We're organized. We're planners. We check it off. We you know like to win pretty much in whatever we're assigned to or been given, and. We did not have a lot of fun in doing years and years of that. Um, We were more driven with our careers and focused on our careers and not even necessarily reaching to the top of anything, but more driven in, you know, our career and our job and other things rather than having more fun with each other relationally. And that doesn't mean that we didn't take trips. It doesn't mean we didn't laugh. But what I'm saying is we could have had more fun. You have to schedule fun in your marriage. You have to schedule date nights, especially when you bring kids into the mix and multiple kids, um you are going to have to find times to have fun. You're going to have to have find times to uh, be together without your kids or laugh more. That's something their Lord has really dealt with me about is hope. I just want the next 40 years you to laugh more. I really want you to enjoy life more, Um, have more fun with your spouse, be more goofy, you know, or whatever that may be. And so, That is something that um, has been on the forefront of my mind that I have been learning and where I am going in the future is I want to laugh more. I want to enjoy life more. And um, so we are starting to do that. And another thing that I can say about a lesson that I have learned in marriage is this is at the end of the day, you guys are one right? When we said our vows and we said I do, and I know everybody's got different vows and everything, but at the end of the day, when you get married to someone, it's you putting your selfish ambitions and desires and goals aside. And sometimes that means helping your spouse accomplish their dreams, their goals, their desires. And it's no longer this separate category, but you are in unity and you are one. All right. So we are talking about marriage here. And um, I just mentioned about at the end of the day, you know, when you get married, you and your spouse are one. And I was actually reading uh, a marriage book and I was reading this back in January or February because me and my husband were getting ready to do like a duo tag team sermon on marriage. <laughs> and I was like, oh, father, you know. <laughs> Like, this is all another level doing this and sharing this because it does require too a sense of, uh, vulnerability and openness and things like that. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I had read, this was actually my first marriage book that I had read in probably over 10 to 12 years, y'all. And, um, anyway, it was, I think... I think it was by Robert Morse. I'm not really sure. I can't remember because I packed it all up already. But um it's it was in one of my Instagram stories months and months ago. And it was the best book that I had read on marriage. And you know, when somebody gives you a book on something, you know, when it's something like that at first, and someone had given me this book. And, you know, at first you're like, are they giving me this book because they think I need it or they see something that's broken and needs to be fixed or whatever it may be, or maybe they just got a good deal on it. Who knows? Either way, but I was like, okay, I'm going to dive in and read this book. And that book really helped me in my marriage. It really changed my perspective on things and how I see things and how to move forward and think different things. And so one of the things that stood out to me was... They said, um, you know, that you have to have this and need to have in your marriage a purpose together. Like all of us, you know, before we got married or even while we were married, we have these dreams and these goals and these, these desires that we want to achieve or fulfill or see happen in our lives. And some of those are together goals and accomplishments, and some of those are separate. And that's totally fine. Like something you desire may not be something your husband desires, Or, you know, is believing for or whatever that may be. But at the same time, we have to be careful in our marriage where it's where we're trying, I guess you could say, trying to make it all about us and what we think we should do, where it kind of becomes separate versus together. And so I think you can have individual goals and desires, but at the end of the day, if you are married, you have to have a purpose and where you're going forward together. You have to have desires and goals and a purpose about what that marriage needs to look like together as you get older and move forward, that it's no longer about separate dreams and goals. um, And you go in after those with everything you have and your spouse is not really included in on it, except for maybe they have an idea of what you're wanting to accomplish or do in life. And that's good. And they can be supportive in that. But it is a togetherness. Um, It's a together goal. It's a together accomplishment. It's a together calling and a purpose that when God joins you, you are to do something together and not necessarily separate. And so I had this huge revelation of that in reading a book because for so long, there were so many different things and different aspects within you know, our our circle of things that we were doing that it was like, oh great, that's a great goal. You should go after that. Or that's a great dream and you should do that. Or I can totally see you going there and doing that and being this and and doing all that. And sure you're supportive, but at the same time, a lot of it wasn't this togetherness. It wasn't this uh, fruitful, purposeful thing really until uh, 2020 and COVID when we came together to really focus on and pray about some things that God was calling us to move forward in. And it wasn't a single accomplishment. It was a together accomplishment and it was a purpose. It was like, wow, this is what we were created to do here on the earth. It was kind of like an aha moment. It wasn't an idea or suggestion or something we dreamed up ourselves and said, I'd like to do that or that'd be fun. It was definitely a birthed God idea that was never created for either Ryan to do by himself or me to do by myself, but it was requiring in a purpose calling us together to move forward every step of the way with what is next for us in the next 40 years. And so through that, it changed my perspective a lot about when looking back on my life, there could have been more gracefulness, if you will, in a marriage had we had you know, done some things a little different differently with moving forward together, um, you know, in whatever that looks like. Another thing that I have learned about uh, marriage, and like I said, there's so many things, is that um, forgiveness. Forgiveness is huge, right? Even if you have friends, like forgiveness is huge. And forgiveness is actually two things when I see it. Is It is a decision, so you can have somebody force you to forgive, but you're probably not going to be walking in true forgiveness if that's the case. But it's a decision that you have to make, and it's a decision you'll have to daily make, monthly make, yearly make within your marriage. And also forgiveness is a process. It's a process of the mind, but it's also a process of the heart. And even it's a process of our words, what's coming out of our mouths, how we're responding in difficult times and difficult seasons, um, and what that actually needs to look like. And so it's a daily choice that we have to make when we're going through these things of our marriage or of our parenting or, or in relationships. Um, one thing that has stood out to me is, and we could even say within marriage and even in friendships is you have to have boundaries. Um, you have to have boundaries with your friends that you're close with. You have to have boundaries within your marriage. You have to have boundaries in your finances in life because if you don't have boundaries, it's going to create problems. (laughs) It's going to create friction. It's going to create a lot of unnecessary hurt and unnecessary things that you could have prevented had you had set up the boundaries. And I love what one person said um, when I was studying on the subject of boundaries is she said, you know, if you live in a house in. And- you have this responsibility, right? If you're a homeowner, you have a responsibility to fix things in your home that are broken. You have a responsibility to fix things and take care of your house so that it can run efficiently. But also you have responsibility within your yard, right? It's your responsibility for what goes on in your home and your house and how to maintain that home, but also maintain what the yard needs to look like. And, you know, when you're driving by different neighborhoods and and yards and stuff. If you see an unkept yard, well, you don't even have to guess what the house looks like. It's going to be a wreck. It's going to be destroyed on the inside if the yard has gone neglected. And the same thing is true in marriage is we have to have this sense of togetherness and this unity, but also we have to take responsibility for our home and our actions and our choices in our yards. I, I should not expect other people to try to fix my marriage or fix my kids or fix my finances. I have to, like I said earlier, when it comes to even, um, kids and different things is you have to be willing to make adjustments and correct what needs to be corrected. But you have to admit where you have missed it. And so in doing this, like my home is my responsibility. My parenting is how I am parenting. It's my responsibility. My marriage is my responsibility. I wouldn't expect my neighbor to take care of my yard and say, hey, don't you see it's unkept? No, it's my responsibility. And so we have to protect our kids. We have to protect our marriage. We have to protect our friendships and relationships. We have to have these boundaries and healthy boundaries in our lives. And it really doesn't matter what other people think. If they think your boundaries are too strict for your kids or your marriage or whatever it may be. But Your boundaries are yours and we want to protect what matters most. And if you're married and you have kids, you protect what matters most. You protect that spouse. You protect those kids. And so we have to make sure that our kids know boundaries. We have to make sure that our spouse and in our marriages, that there are these boundaries that we have communicated. We're not, you know, saying, well, they should know the boundaries. They live with us. I shouldn't have to tell them not to do that or say that or act like that or get involved in a conversation like that or it could come off like that or, you know, whatever it may be. Like we need to make sure that we have properly communicated these boundaries ahead of time within parenting, within marriage, so that we don't set ourselves up, um, you know, to fail because a boundary was not communicated. We can't even expect other people who are our friends to know that, you know, this is the boundary. We have to go ahead and tell them, hey, this is the boundary. We don't need to cross this or this is the boundary for our finances. Let's stay on budget a little bit better or whatever that may be. And so it is very important that we set up these boundaries within all these different aspects of our lives healthy boundaries. And then also a lesson that I have seen and kind of gone through and moving towards in the next 40 years is that relationship should always be more important than seeking revenge. Um, (laughs) This is a heavy hitter because, you know, we are all human and we all have a mindset that if somebody does us wrong or hurts us or accuses us or whatever it may be, that we're not only going to prove them wrong, but maybe something inside of you, your flesh, you could say, wants to seek revenge out, wants to give them a payback or spread a rumor about them or talk to them ugly or see that they go through something hard in their life because of maybe something they did or said to you. And, you know, hurting people hurt other people, Um, whether that is a big hurt or small hurt or whatever it may be. But if you value your relationship with your kids and you value your relationship with your spouse um, and you value relationships with those that are closest to you, regardless of what they have said or done or whether it's true or not or whatever, relationship is more important than seeking revenge or paying somebody back, or hoping they get what they deserve. And my spouse has been so good about um, helping me navigate this (laughs) within our journey together and parenting and marriage and so many other different things. Because um, I don't like people that talk bad about me. I don't know somebody that does, actually. I don't like people spreading rumors about me or not hearing the whole story because there's two sides to every story. But, you know, like, I am bent that way. And that is something that I am working on as I move forward in the future, is, you know, that if you value someone you're in a relationship with, you want to help them grow and improve. And you want them to be the best version of themselves, regardless of what someone has said or done to you. And we've all been there where we haven't responded in love the way that we should have responded and could have responded. You know, we want it to get even with people. <laughs> and um, that is an area in my life that as I move forward, like I have to keep in mind the heart that Jesus had was to love your neighbor, to love your enemies, to pray for your enemies. Um, whatever that may be, good, bad, or ugly, because God is love. And I can't say that I truly love God and value my relationship with God and value my relationship with my spouse or with others if I'm not loving the way Christ has asked me to love him and the way Christ has asked me to love my neighbor. And so relationships are more important than revenge. <laughs> I'm speaking to somebody. Um... That is something that has been huge on the inside of me about loving God and loving others, because those were the two greatest commandments that Christ gave us. He was like, if you're going to get anything right in your life, I need you to love me and I need you to love others. And in the process of doing that, um, it is going to require us to have a more keen sense of forgiveness, but a more keen sense of also keeping peace. Between our enemies, keeping peace between people that have wronged us or hurt us or betrayed us or whatever it may be to protect the peace. And that is a season, even that we, I'm saying we like my house, that we are finding ourselves in as we move forward in the next 40 years um, with just our immediate family is whatever it takes to create peace and keep peace in our family, we're going to make sure that we do whatever we can to protect that. And so you have to be willing to fight for your family. You have to be willing to even ask God for help in your lives. You know, pride is somebody that necessarily doesn't want to admit that they need help, They don't want to admit that they're wrong, but there has been times even in my own life that I've told God, oh, I can figure this out or it'll work out and it will work out. And through time, different situations do work out and turn around and God turns them around for his good and his glory. But at the same time, we have to humble ourselves enough to ask God for help ask God for help in our parenting, ask God for help in our marriages, ask God for help in our finances, in our friendships, ask God for help. Because asking God for help signals God, like, I can't do this by myself. I need you wholeheartedly. I am depending on you to figure this out. Help me out. Uh, Help me to see how I need to move forward with this and God will help us. He says that we are to call on him. some other thoughts that I'd like to give here in the next few minutes is this, and you guys know that I am like an avid book reader, literally the last five or six years, I try to read a book a month. And there are so many great books that I have learned that have helped me along the journey of living, um, 40 years and where I'm going in the next 40 years. But There are also some great quotes, and there's some great quotes that I've learned and read and gleamed from, but there's also quotes that God has spoken to me personally um, that I have grown in. And so I want to take some time as we close out these next few minutes to talk about what some of these um, quotes are. And that is this, is that impossibilities fall at the feet of Jesus, It doesn't matter what you're faced with um, in your life, whether you've lived 30 years or 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, it doesn't matter. 15 years, anything impossible that you are facing now or that you're going to face can and will fall at the feet of Jesus if you surrender to him. Um, the devil will give us all kinds of excuses why we don't need to continue to follow God, or continue to love God, or continue to live by God's commandments. Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. You know, if you're comfortable right now in any of your area of your life, we're truly not growing. Walk in the wisdom of God and not in your emotions. This is huge. Emotions and feelings are huge. But rather than communicating out of our feelings and our emotions, God wants us to communicate out of our heart and walk in the wisdom of God. And really that only comes through spending time with God in His Word and in His presence gather the leftovers wow this is a huge quote to me because god actually spoke this to me a few months ago when he was talking about just in my life personally like nothing in your life is wasted nothing in your life is undone and you know just as you know there are times when you gather for meals and people take home leftovers or eat leftovers some people love leftovers other people can't stand leftovers Um, And the Lord spoke to me one day in John 6 and 12 through 13. He said, I want you to gather the leftovers because things you've considered wasted or undone, God says when we call on his wisdom, we call on his help and advice. He wants to take what's left over as we're gathering it, as we're bringing these things that seem wasted or undone to him, to gather him and watch him multiply it, watch him grow it. Another thing is this, is don't forsake your relationship with the Lord over the dream in your heart. It's so easy to do. It's so easy to get sidetracked and busy busy and running from the next thing to the next where we forsake the relationship. The very thing we're created on earth to do to have this meaningful time with God is we forsake the relationship with the Lord over a dream in our heart. And we don't need to do that. Do the thing that you're good at and build at. Prayer is just simply talking to God but listening to his response. Don't long for what God intended you to leave. Don't accept the no of impossibilities. Quit believing the lies of the enemy as they as if they are true. Found people help find people. Love the unlovable. Christianity is not just about sharpening others in yourself so you can search for others. What matters enough in your life is that you would stop everything in your life and begin to look for it to be found. Support, supply, and strength. Take hold of it. Denounce every lie. What you define, you can defeat. What is your next step for your life? Complaining never changes the result. Action is what changes things. Do what you say you're going to do or don't say it, right? That's deep. Bring anything you're afraid of doing wrong helps us keep from not doing the right thing. Focus on what God is calling you to do, not how he's going to pull it off. When we are in the winding story of what Jesus began, he says obedience is our job, but the outcome is God's job. Um, These are some things, too, that I've also learned on parenting. You can do the right thing when your kids do the wrong thing right you can respond the right way even though your flesh wants to go off and say something you shouldn't or do something god says that you have an opportunity to respond by doing the right thing even when your kids may mess up and do the wrong thing fight for your kids you don't fight physically with them or verbally with them but fight for them Take a better plan and make it a biblical plan. Most of the time we think people are forever in our lives when actually it's maybe just for a season or just for now. Some other things are this is you can either go fast alone or you can go farther together. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Don't feel guilty about whatever God has called you to do or whatever call is on your life. At this season, right now, where you are in your life, where do you want it to be at the next season, next year in your life? Make room for expectation. Break the limitations off your expectations. Don't expect minimum results because that is what you're going to get. God is all powerful and all limitless. Ask Him, what do you need? What do you want? Faithfulness is when you ask and you don't receive it, but yet you still worship Him, you still believe Him, and you still believe that He is good. If it doesn't happen for you on your plan or your time frame, don't let it stop from what God has promised you in your heart for your life. God goes before us with any dream, any desire, any purpose, any call, and He is handling everything in advance. What you are waiting for is already something there being prepared for you. God is a good God. Collision with provision, not in your own way, is His providence. He's never going to take us to a place that His grace can't sustain us. We don't go through good times. You grow through difficult times. Growth doesn't happen when things are good. Growth happens when things are difficult and you're wanting to give up and quit. He perfects everything that concerns you. If God isn't in your plan, then that plan is going to fail. So these are some things that I have uh, learned and treasured over uh, the last, you know, 40 years. I guess you could really say, you know, there are things in your childhood and really kind of after your childhood, some more like the last 25 years But as I move forward, one thing is for sure is I have learned some lessons in life and I have learned some things that I don't want to repeat in my life, but I've also become a better me. I've also become a better parent. I've also found ways on how I can communicate better to my spouse, to my kids. Um, I've even found things within myself that I'm like, hope you need to fix this. You need to change this or, you know, in moving forward, it needs to go this way or go that way with parenting, with finances, with my kids, whatever that may be. And so I want to say this, that regardless of your age, like You're going to have tests and trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have things that are difficult. You're going to go through things that you didn't see that were coming or happening with your kids or as a parent or your finances or in your marriage or in relationships and friendships. And that's okay. But at the end of the day, y'all, at the end of the day, it's what do you want the next 40 years to look like? What do you want the next 10 years, the next five years, the next three years, even next year to look like? You know, every day we have an opportunity to how we respond to situations. Every day we have an opportunity to keep moving forward in life. And for me, over the next 40 years, I've made my mind up that regardless I am going to trust God regardless, I am going to speak life, regardless, I am going to surrender my heart and my life to God so that I can continue move forward. I don't want to hold on to anything in my life that has been troublesome, concerning, um, heartache or whatever it may be because the truth is told there's things in all of our lives that we could have done better said better prevent it um, maybe we could have been kinder to someone or more forgiving to someone or put ourselves in other people's shoes or walk slowly through the cloud a crowd a little bit better or you know just we're honest with ourselves or our family or whatever it may be and you've got one life to live literally every single day Um, Since I've turned 40, I just have a greater appreciation of life. I have a greater appreciation for my spouse. Um, Things that I didn't see before that I see now, I'm just super thankful. I'm thankful for more opportunities with my kids and more opportunities with my spouse. I'm grateful for the homes and the cars that I drive. I'm more thankful for the finances that I do have coming into my life. I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for all these things that maybe I have taken for granted, honestly, in the last several years or could have done things differently. But I know that as I move forward in the next 40 years through the seasons of highs and lows, that God is still good. And that phrase rings true in my heart more than ever is regardless of what seems lost or is lost, there is still hope. And a lot of times I'm like, that's a crummy, (laughs) that's a crummy statement. You know, God, why would you give me that scripture? Or you know, there's so many scriptures on hope and things lost and things like that. And, you know, none of us are exempt from hard things. None of us are exempt from troublesome or lost things none of us you know are exempt from those things but at the same time like it's how we respond it's how we pick ourselves up and we move forward to become the better parents the better spouses the better stewards of our finances that we've been placed with these things for such a time as this on our lives and how we look at life how we move forward in life And we're all able to grow. We're all able to move forward to a brighter future. And so I want to encourage you in that, that regardless of the season of life you're in or the age of life you're in, you don't even have to wait till you're 40 or 30 or hitting a big number, whatever it may be, is that know that God is with you every step of the way. Know that you can call on Him with each and every situation in that just keep going, just keep being you unapologetically. And some may love you and some may hate you. Some may not wanna be your friend ever again, and that's okay. But to move forward in every area with the call and the purpose that God has on your life, your spouse's life together and your family's life, And trust Him along the journey of life, through the thick and thin, through the highs and lows. Because He's with you every single step of the way. So yeah, I'm a better parent. I'm a better person. I'm a better wife. I'm a better friend. And I look forward to the next 40 years. Peace out, guys. Thanks for tuning in and listening. I hope you have an amazing day. This was a much longer anticipated episode, but... That's what you get when you've lived uh, this long and you've turned 40. Um, So I hope you guys have an amazing day. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. I hope this helps you in any way that you seem beneficial to where God is calling you or whatever you're going through. Know that God is for you. He cares about you. He loves you and he's got good things in store for you. Have an amazing day.